Okay. Okay, good evening everyone. Uh, we will be looking um, at some material in the parasha. Um, so let's just get right into it, okay? Uh, as you see, we have our opening uh, text is a very well-known text. Those of you uh, who are familiar with the Chumash game, when I was a kid, we used to have the Chumash game. You did this in the back of the shul. And you open the Chumash, and if you opened up to three pays, you got how many points? 25 points. Three Samachs, you got 50 points. What got you 100 points? A Chazak. A Chazak got you 100 points. And what got you 1,000 points? The upside down nuns. Right? You don't know the Chumash game? I'm shocked. I think this is an Orthodox institution. Um, so this is the parish of the upside down nuns, which is a funny way of saying the parentheses. We not only invented the sandwich, we also invented the parentheses. I don't know, maybe there were parentheses before the Chumash, who knows? Um, but the, the upside down nuns <laughs> function like a parentheses to distinguish the material before by Yibin Saron and the material after, you know, Shuvah Shem Vavotafe Israel. Um, to sort of separate that piece from what comes before, what comes after. Uh, we're not going to learn why. I'll leave that for you. We're not going to learn why that piece needs to be separated. The simple reason Rashi says it is to make a distinction between Puranut and Puranut. It's like a bad story and a bad story, and in between we have this little section. So the parentheses are like the parentheses. What the Puranut is on either side is a question, but it's not a topic for today. But we are looking at this parenthetic uh, section, uh, which is a kind of a, it, it's an interesting section. You know, it's in and of itself, and we're not going to really be looking at the pshat of the world. We're, we're really looking at one facet of these two psukim. We're not going to really spend our time on a very interesting and basic question. What are these phrases that were said at the time of moving the Aron and then resting the Aron and, and what was the purpose of moving the Aron? Was it a time of war? Was it when the camp moved? What, you know, what was it about? It's, it's a little mysterious, right? And not only because of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a little mysterious in and of itself. Um, what exactly the ramifications are theologically, or in terms of uh, our um, ritual, you know, when you move that around, we have like a kind of a, and this again takes me back to my misspent youth, well, the part in the synagogue wasn't misspent, uh, you know, when the Aaron is open, it's like a special moment. As you get older, it's like less special, I guess, right? You've done it so many times, it would be nice if it was still special. But when you're a kid, they open the Aaron, it's like a big deal, right? And, and that, in a, in a way, harks back to the actual Aron, you know, and the story of, of you know, how you're not supposed to touch the Aron, or what happened when somebody did touch the Aron. So, it's, it, you know, Aron have written. Um, so there's a kind of mystery here, and there's this statement, by Ibn Saharon, when the Aron is moved, right, uh, Moshe would say, Kumu Hashem arise God and scatter your enemies, that those who hate you run away, uh, 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 retreat from before you. So, indicating that God goes before the camp, before the nation, or with the nation, in a kind of a militaristic mode of, we have the arrow, you better run, that kind of message. 
And when we put down the Aron, the Aron is placed down, is rested, uh, what we say is, what's said is, Shuvah Hashem, we revolt Achei Yisrael. Shuvah Hashem, return, come back, place it back, put it back, something like that. Right? Hashem now is returned, the Aron is put back in a kind of a resting place, it would seem to be the Pshat. And then you have three strange words. Revolt Alfei Yisrael. Tens of thousands and thousands of Israelites, of Israel. Now the Pashib Shat, I guess, is that the Aron is now resting among the assembled multitudes of Israel. Right? That would seem to be the Pshat. In other words, when, when Vahibin saw Haron, it's like the, the, our focus is outward to the, although it doesn't use a, a number, but you have Oivecha, Misanecha, you have all these assembled enemies, and the idea of the Aron is to like frighten them, or scatter them, or get them, and they run away. When we return the Aron, when we rest the Aron, the focus seems to be, it's here among the people, it's here at rest, where it belongs. I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm not sure what is. But the, the sense we get is, and here the Aron is at rest among the people. Revolt of Israel. That would seem right, you with me? People like this? Right? I mean, it's not like a type shot, but the feeling that you get, I think, from this chukim is that kind of thing. It's at rest among the people. Revolt of Israel. Yes, sir? Okay. Um, so it does also give you, I would say, it gives you the feeling of the Iran is moved, perhaps, only in times of sort of crisis. It, it's about war. It's about the enemy, you know. I mean, Iran is moved when, when the nation moves, right? When, when the camp, when they decamp and get going somewhere, it's moved. But this seems to not refer to that. Well, maybe whenever they move, it's a little tricky. Whenever you're traveling, so there's an Amalek, there's a Amon, a Moab, a, you know, bad guys. So maybe whenever you're traveling, actually, there's a kind of a fear that, you know, who knows who lies in wait. So whoever lies in wait, may they be scattered. Here we come with the Aron, God's protection. So that could be maybe what's going on. Um, and not only when you're moving militarily, but just when you're moving, there's always somebody out there that you're worried about, and so that's why we say that. Pleasure. And in a sense, when we move Nuchel Yomar, is that now we're at rest, now we're safe, so you have the Aron, you have the assembled multitudes, and all is well. That, that seems to be the sense. Okay. Let's take a look at the Rashi. Shuvah Hashem, Menachem, Tergumol, Lashon, Margoah. Menachem, right, Rashi goes to him for Hebrew, for language, for Diktuk. Menachem explains it as meaning Margoah. From the very Hebrew, Hebrew, Raguah. Fear Raguah, relax, calm down, right? Uh, Margoa meaning rest. Um, rest. <laughs> okay, rested. Uh, and he brings a project from Yeshayahu, Paraglamid, Koamar Hashem Elohim, Kadoshil Beshuva, Vanachat Tivasheun, Bahashkek Ubavitchat Yegvu Gvuratchem. That's the piece of project he's quoting. So it's a word of. Shuva is like or, or is synonymous with Bishuva Vonachat. Nachat, like you say, Nachis, right? Being at rest, being satisfied, having a satisfactory uh, uh, end to things. So Bishuva means Bimargoa, in a relaxing state. 
in a relaxing way, in a settled way, like Nachat Tivasheu, you will be, you will get salvation. You'll get salvation that will bring you Shuva, which means at rest, and Nachat, and then it goes on to say Hashket, Yubitcha, Sheket, quiet, and security, etc. So there's all these synonyms for restful, secure, so Beshuva, uh, uh, so I'm sorry, so Shuva Hashem is Hashem is at rest. Hashem is at rest? I, I guess that's what it means. Okay, that seems to be what Benachem is saying. So, when the Aaron is placed down, is, is put in position, we say Shuvah Hashem. Hashem is now at rest, so to speak. I mean, not in a militaristic mode, right? Not being, not busy being made fixed to Oivim and being menisdi uh, sonim, right? He's not being busy doing those kinds of active, uh, aggressive things. He's benachat, b'margoa, right? He's calm and, and, and at rest. And now, this part of the Pasuk, Israel, tens and thousands of Israel. Magid Shorabi Israel, This teaches us that the Shechina doesn't inhere, doesn't rest, doesn't come to rest among the Israelites if they are less than two thousands and two ten thousand. So that's twenty-two thousand. If there are less than 22,000 Jews, you don't get the Shuvah Hashem. Hashem be here at rest. You need the minimum plural of Rivavot. 10,000, 10, right? You get how they get this 20 and the 2. The minimum plural of Rivavot is 10,000. So Rivavot means 10,000s. What's the minimum of that? 20,000. 10,000s. What's the minimum of Alfei? Thousands. 2,000. Right? So to satisfy the meaning, minimum, of Rivavot and Afei, you need 22,000. So the way Rashi is reading the Pasuk is, Uvnuchal Yomar, Hashem is now rest, Hashem is now here, where He belongs, among the Israelites, who for this to be true, need to number minimally 22,000. That's, that's what I would say Pshat, uh, is for Rashi. Okay? Now, this number 22,000, we already said how it's arrived. That's a funny number in and of itself. Um, I don't want to get into trouble here and start talking about numbers, because I'm very good at math. You know, stop throwing words around that I don't understand. Um, but you do get, <laughs> get into trouble anyway. Yeah, you do get a sense of sort of, I don't know what whole numbers are. They taught us this in school, and I forget what it means, whole numbers. But like a kind of, well, a thousand and a ten thousand. Those are nice, really round numbers, you know. So you have the minimum plurality of a thousand, minimum plural of a thousand, minimum plural of ten thousand. So that's like a, those are significant numbers. I, that's all I can say. I mean, I, there's nothing more. We'll see in the Torah to Mima, he takes a stare at figuring out some specific symbolism to 22,000. An interesting step, okay? So we'll, we'll see that in a moment. Um, but for now, and we'll go ahead now in a moment, but to summarize, we see from Rashi, Rashi's take on this is that God's presence, symbolized by, made possible by the Arom, right? God's presence with the Ark, uh, is possible, is really there, when you have minimally 22,000 Jews. Now, moving away from the specifics, we'll get back to it, we'll look at the turn to meme on this, but moving away for a moment from the specifics of why 22,000, you know, which we talked about a bit already, um, just broadly, the notion that you need a fair amount of Jews, 
Right? A pretty big amount of Jews. For the Shekhinah to be Shorah, for the Shekhinah to inhere, to be present, to be there. What does that mean? What does that mean? What do you think that means? What does that tell us? What do we learn from it? When I say, what does it mean? There's no right answer. It means, what do you learn from it? What does it make you think? What does it make you think? Pardon? Oh, so you, you think a problem. That's what you think. You say, wait a minute, this is not so good. We thought God's presence is a little more readily available than that. See, they're always here, well, as we'll see at the very bottom of our page, we'll look, maybe we'll look at it now, you brought it up, we'll look at it in a minute. In, in uh, the Sechet Avot, a very well-known Mishra, God's Shekhinah in here is in all kinds of circumstances. The ones we'll see don't have 22,000, don't have close to 22,000 Jews in them. So a, a, a sort of questioning thing we could say about this is, hmm, that's a pretty demanding Kind of number. That's, that's a demanding statement. 22,000 Jews, otherwise, no Shina. I don't know, that's not what I learned, that's not what I think. And it, it's a little depressing also. Because it, it demands, I mean, it pays a little further now. What does it demand? Let's, let's go with it for a while. Let's forget the fact that we have different ideas in our head and in the mission and our vote, which we'll see in a moment. Let's forget that for a minute. And, but what does it mean? What does it say? If it's true, let's go with it. So if it's true, what, is it, what does it say? Don't live in a small town. Exactly. Don't live in a small Jewish town. Right? Live in a big Jewish town. In other words, it's, I think you're absolutely right. What it's saying is that as Jews, we see an importance and a value from a theological perspective, from the presence of God perspective, in being in a real community of Jews. You could argue, what, 10,000 is not enough of community? You know, I once lived in, fill in the blank, now believe me, 10,000 is enough Jews. You don't need more. Plenty of community. It was all covered there. We had it all. All kinds. But still, rather you, without arguing with the specifics of the number 22,000, you certainly do get the feeling that, that this Rashi, this Drusha, is this understanding of the Revolt of Israel is, is saying that, that Jews are, impo- are most important, let's say, when there are a real big community, when there's like a lot of them, enough of them to make the kinds of differences that a hundred Jews can't, that five hundred Jews, even a thousand Jews can't, even ten thousand Jews can't. It starts to feel like a, like a bit of an am or a tribe, or you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a kind of, it's almost a political statement. It's almost a statement about Jews really function as Jews and really bring God into the world when God is a whole bunch of them. And they, they have all of the implications of there that a whole bunch of people imply. But whatever that implies to you, 22,000, it might imply national rights, it might imply a lot of different opinions. Right? Because you can look at this in a lot of ways. And what's the good of having 22,000? Well, 22,000 have an army. 22,000 have a police force. 22,000 have a big yeshiva. 22,000 you can have a lot of different opinions. You can have 17 different shoes. I can different shoes. You know, so each one of those things is a, is a value. And somebody might stand up and say, well, I think the important value behind 22,000 is that you have a lot of different Jews and a lot of different opinions. That's the beautiful thing about Yiddishkeit. And that brings God's presence into the world. Or someone might say, no, 22,000, big enough to grab like a hill and say, this is ours. And shoot anybody who gets in the way. That's what it's 22,000, right? Or, I don't know what, enough to, enough to write a lot of books. 22,000 people, you have a good yeshiva, and they'll write important story, and 22,000 people. It was, it, it, so however you look at it, it, it clearly implies, I think, clearly implies a, a, an existence not like, the, just like you said, 
It's not about, you know, living a little shtetl, a handful of Jews, we better get a million and a half from Incha every day, and we're eating on our living and trusting in God. No, that's not so Jewish. It's more Jewish to have a critical mass. What, as I said a moment ago, what the importance of critical mass is an interesting question. What do you think is good about critical mass? It depends on who you are, what you think in general about things. Got me? Okay. Okay. And it also says a lot about, you know, Judaism as a religion lived in community, in big community, you know, community with the... Com- See, I, I, I mean, you've all heard this before, but I mean, I'll, I'll say it again. I hope you've all heard it before. I don't know. I've been paying attention. Um, you know, it says this a lot. Uh, what's his name? David Hartman likes this a lot. This is one of the bells he likes to ring a lot. Um... You know, you have, but a lot of people say it. I don't think he sort of responds, but he writes about it a lot. Um, you know, having your own country, it, it, it makes me, oh, you know who also says this? Alphabet Yoshua, the author of Alphabet Yoshua, says this all the time. You have your own country, it's different than not having your own country. It's different. You have to make decisions as a Jewish body politic about all kinds of things that they don't make on the Upper West Side. They don't make it Lawrence, they don't make it in Shaker Heights, they don't. It's not up to them to decide about welfare. It's not up to them to decide about security, or the police force, or the firemen, or the social workers. It's not what they do. It's not that the Jewish thing is about Kashris, it's about the shul, it's about the Arab, you know. But the need you have large numbers. And what that might imply, but if we move it over to, you know, you have your own country or your own little city or whatever you have, but it's your own, there's 22,000 of you altogether, right? So that immediately places responsibilities on you, that being 800 or 17,000 or 4,000 or 250, don't place them. Don't place them. Um, and so, and so saying, this measure saying, 22,000 Jews, that brings God into the world, is saying something very important about what it means to be Jewish. It means to function in a, a body politic. The five, you could say, you know, you put them in the middle of France, not so many people, 22,000 Jews, but I don't think that's, I think, the point of the number 22,000 is to say a nice, big, fat number uh, that makes new kinds of responsibilities for the people among those 22,000. That the people who are living among 100 or 200 or 300 don't have. But you have to make that point, okay? Okay. So let's take, let's, let's see, what should we do? Let's, well, let's, you know, we'll leave that Mishnah for later on. The, the Mishnah that says all the other options for bringing Mishnah into the world, we'll leave that for later on. Let's just go straight ahead in our sheet. And this is from the Tarkimima. You know, Tarkimima, you know, Tarkimima, he brings down the Drushim. Right? From the Midrashim, from the Gemaras, and he comments on them. It's a, it's a Chomish you can buy, the Tartarima. Right? He, uh, his name is Baruch Halevi Epstein, and he passed away in the 1920s, 30s, I want to say. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's a wonderful book. He brings, well, not all the Midrashim, you can't do that. Who tried to do that? Who tried to bring all the Midrashim on every Pusik? Rebuvim uh, Magolis, the Torah Shlema. I think he got like to the middle of Gracious or something. And then it sort of petered out because there's a lot of Madrasha, but I mean, possibly. Um, so he talks to me that and he comments on that. So, so one thing he's good for is he brings a lot of neat Joshua's. You know, oh, that's a good Joshua. So look at this neat Joshua. 
This is from the Gemara Yevamos. Hey, what's the Gemara? What does this teach us? She'ein ha-shechina shorah al-pachot mishnei alochem mishnei revolvers mishnei So this is what Rashi, this is Rashi, one of Rashi's sources, okay? A Gemara Yilamis that says what Rashi said. Ha-reh she'hayu Yisrael shnei alochem mishnei revolvers chaser echad. Let's say there were 21,999, I got it. 21,999, they were missing one. This guy, Goldberg, lo asak the period of a rivio. I'm not going to have children. I'm get married. I'm not in a hurry. Uh, career. I'm not going to have children. Lo asak the period of a rivio. Lo nimsa ze goreim l'shchina shetistalek Israel. Isn't this guy, by choosing to not bring children into the world, causing the shchina, God's presence, to remove itself from Israel rather than to be with Israel? So, this drasha from Yevomis, which has a lot of sugis about, you know, uh, uh, marriage, children, right? Yevomis is about family issues, family in uh, uh, So his drasha, he says, it's about Purovu. If you need 22,000, so that places on me, on the individual, an obligation to bring Jews into the world. That's what he sees it. You know, it's, it's having, we said a moment ago, I belabored the point a few moments ago, right? It's about having a critical mass of Jews. It's not about that sort of, I don't know, fiddle on the roof look, you know, this little town, it's a lovely, on a Tefka, a couple of, a dozen families, I don't know, however you imagine that, I don't know, a dozen families. That's, that's, no, that's not Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit is having a serious solution, you know? It only is 22,000 people. So if you're not part of that effort, now, what's the basic uh, uh, currency of that effort? Having kids. So then, what are you doing? You're doing something theologically problematic. Forget about from a bitchoni, from a security position. Not if guys go into the army. Not if guys go to college. Not if guys to be in high tech. Not if, forget about that. From a theological point of view, there's not enough people to bring the shit into the world. Okay? So now this, I'm sure you all know, feeds into a very modern concern. My very current concern here in Israel, right here in Israel, I don't know about you, right? maybe one or two of you might be a few months older than me, but I still get money every month. I have a 15 year old daughter. I have a whole bunch of sons who are unfortunately over 18, right? So I don't get any money. But you know that the children under 18, you get a kitzbat yiladim. You know that? You know what a wonderful country we live in? You didn't know this? Are you serious? Hold it, who knew this? Anyway, you know this, right? In Israel, you get what's called the Kitzbat Yiladim. It's a big fight now. Shas wants to raise the Kitzbat Yiladim because they want to show a lot of kids. The government lowered it on the Bill Bibi was the... I won't go through it all, but I get about 150 shekels a month for my one daughter under 18. I once had six kids under 18. I didn't have to go to work. I sat home all day, reading the newspaper. It was a Then... They got older year by year. Seriously. Um, and honestly, Haredim, you get like a salary. Because it used to be, uh, it wouldn't simply be 150 times 2, times 3, times 4. You get to the 6th, there's a big bump up. You get to the 10th, a big bump up. You know, So people would get like a few thousand shekels a month. And it was one of the pillars that held up the Haredim community. And the Arab community. Right? People have 8, 10, 12 kids. You got a 2,000 check, oh, check, and that's it. You went and sacked and learned or whatever. 
Well, you do whatever you do. Alright, everybody. This is confidence, what I'm telling you. This is not telling you, it's confidence. Why does the country give us uh, money when you have a kid here? Everybody here have a kid here? They give you a check. Mazel tov, here's a check. I told him, six times I got the check. You go where you do it, you buy the crib. You buy the crib, you buy the diapers. I don't know, 600 shekels, 700 shekels, I don't know what it was. My uh, grandchildren, they just got checks. Checks. Not to the kids. You don't give them to the kids. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, why does the country do this? Does anybody have any idea? Why do we pay people to have children? We pay people to have children. Why? Everybody know? Demographics. Demographics in terms of the Arabs? The Arabs. Demographics in terms of... An empty country, so being the Megan, or being Galil, forget about the Arabs, just nobody, right? Now it's more Arabs, but, but 30, 40, 50 years ago the Megan was seen as empty. Right? We'll have to produce it. Um, what else? Any other thinking? The Holocaust, exactly so. There was a real mindset, I think there still is a mindset. If you just kill the 30 Jewish people, we gotta make up for lost time. Children, Jewish children, right? There's even a song about it. There's a cynical song about it. Most people don't know that it's cynical. Most people think it's taking a face value. What's the song we're talking about? Yeladim Zesimcha. There's a song sung first by Habrei Rahativit. Other groups do it also. It's written by Yeshua Sobo. Right? A famous playwright here in Israel. Um, and it's, it's, you know, have a, the song goes, have a lot of kids. Have six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty. Have twenty kids. It's all you love kids. Who's this song talking to? Svarim. Come to Israel. We'll put you in Stay Road. We'll put you in Yerucham. We'll put you in Demona. Have a lot of kids. We need working hands. We need to fill the country. We need to beat the Arabs. And it was cynical because it, it's a, you know, a lot of people sing it because Yiladim ze Simcha, Yiladim ze Bracha. And people like to sing it like a bar mitzvah. They play it. You know, but it's cynical. It's cynical about the Ashkenazi establishment taking advantage of the traditional Svarim. Why do I want to have a lot of kids? I say, have more kids. You like kids. You like kids. And so is a line. You love kids, right? Like, not us. We only have two kids in a dog. That's where, you know, we're smart. Ashkenazi. We have two kids in a dog. We don't have ten kids. Who can make a living with ten kids? Um, so, this madrish is in line with that Zionist thinking. That classic 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Now there's like a rethink. Number one, because the people having all the kids are all the people that the establishment doesn't like. The Haredim, the Arabs, so only those kind of kids. And also there's a sense, the country's pretty full, enough is enough. It's, you know, crowded. What do we need more people for? So there's a, the policy was to lower the kids' population. And that's why Shas is trying to pull out of the government. If they don't raise again the kids by Don't you get the Jews on post every day? No? Something. <laughs> Listen to the radio? I would shout something. Anyway, that's what's going on. So this Medrash is a classic Medrash that talks about the need to have a lot of Jews, but on theological terms. Not to beat the other nations and not to fill up the land. Although, although one might argue from like a Zionist, a little anachronistic here, but from a Zionist perspective or utilitarian perspective, you know, this theology also helps us practically. The theology of God's presence will be in the world if we have 22,000 Jews helps us practically be a functioning nation. What a good thing, right? You see, you see what I'm saying? So, okay, that's that message. So let's go to the next message. We'll skip his commentary on it for a minute and go to the next message. The, in, the, in the bold face, Rivavot Afei Israel. You see it? Rivavot Afei Israel. Dorish Rav Dustoy Dimin Biri. 
This is from Baba Kama. This is from Gemara Baba Kama. Rab Dustoy from Biri says, he makes this Joshua. You all the place, right? We skipped a bit to the okay. Lila Megha, this teaches you. What we saw before. No shina must have twenty thousand Jews. Haser achat. If there's one missing, right? Let's say there's one missing. There's twenty one thousand nine hundred and And Baruch Hashem, there's a pregnant woman up, oh, we're almost there. Benayim among the twenty one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. And she's going to make up what's missing. She's going to have a healthy kid. It's going to be terrific. Right? And a door barked at her and caused her to have a miscarriage. A door barked at her, right? A door barked at her and never caused a miscarriage. Never caused a miscarriage. What happened? It turned out, Zegorim the Shekhinah should still like Israel. This guy caused the Shekhinah, just like in the last Russia, by the guy who didn't have a kid, right, who wouldn't help us in our effort, this guy caused the Shekhinah to go away. Which guy? The owner of the dog. The owner of the dog. And yesterday they left. Yesterday they left. And an uh, elderly, really an old guy, guy, I don't know, looked like he was in his 80s, attacked by two pit bulls. But he's okay, I'm here, but he's badly injured, you know? So this, so the dog owner is no good. So this dog owner is no good. He caused the Shekhinah to leave. Mikan Amu. From this we learn, Lo Yigadel Adam et HaKelev. A man should not raise a dog. Ella Imkeng Kashur Bishal Shilaot. Unless the dog is chained. Unless the dog is leashed. Now, this is from Baba Kama. Why is it from Baba Kama? Because Baba Kama is about damages. Right? So this is something about dogs and pigs rooting up the garden and dogs biting you and other animals causing other kind of damages. It's the damages, right? Baba Khan is full of my, my sheep going graves on your land, my bull goes and steps on your this. Right? That's what Baba Khan is about. So this little thing in Baba Khan is about my dog barking at you and causing damage. Right? The dog can bark, keep you up half the night, that's damage. This dog bark, the pregnant woman caused it to miscarry. Look at the damage he did! Now the Shekhin is gone, because we're down to 21,999. She was going to bring us to 22,000. So what's this? What's this about? What's this about? What is this Russia telling? What is it saying? What is it doing? What lesson does it learn? That's not Baba Kama's lesson either. What's Baba Kama's lesson? It's about damages. It's about paying for the damages you do. It's about preventing damages. It's about public policy. It's about having a just community. It's about having a legal system that makes the society a sane one, and a reasonable one, and a fair one, and a good one. In other words, if I come away from our Russia, as we did 20 minutes ago, saying, huh, so being Jewish, you know, is about having a community. It's about having 22,000 Jews minimum. Right? So it's about, it's about, and all of the responsibilities that that engenders. Right? In Lawrence Day, what do they care? Right? It's not that business. So. But if we're saying you need 22,000 Jews, you need to be a significant number, so that brings with it all kinds of public responsibilities. You have to tie up, you have to make sure the doors are tied up. You have to take care of the society that you're building. You're building a society. You're not running a shul. You're not running a sisterhood. You're running a community. 
a nation almost, right? 2,000, you know? A society is the word I want to use. You're running a society. And so as a society, I'm responsible for the lives of everyone in the society. Now, I don't know, I don't think people who live in little Jewish communities aren't, you know, feel irresponsible towards the lives of you know, one of those lives. But they don't have the wherewithal. They can't give a $500 fine to the guy who doesn't chant up the door. That's why it's usher to live in Lawrence. Because you can't give a $500 fine to the guy who wants to go and give the fine. There's a sign. To just give the fine. To not give the fine. To make a criminal. To not make a criminal. And that's not a Jewish position. The Jewish position is, as Jews, we want to give the $500 fine. Because it's about the presence of the Shia. It's about what kind of society are we? A society that encourages there to be 20,000 Jews? But more importantly, a society that takes responsibility for the welfare, for the well-being of its totality. What it does, who it is, how we behave, that's what a Jewish society is. Because at 20,000, if, if, if it wasn't built on this notion of 20,000, well, you know, you get 10 Jews, you got a million, you got it, you know? So, man, so, oh, we're going to go uh, give fines to people without the chains on their door. We can't do that. They're going to do that. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's what we said earlier. The thing that I said David Harvey says all the time, right? That the minute you become more than just a little shul, and you become a, you know, a whole society, so the whole other level of responsibilities devolve upon you, and that's what this magic is saying. You have to tie up your tools because you have to take responsibility for all 22,000 Jews. Make sure there are 22,000 Jews. You have to take responsibility for the future of the Jewish people. You're not going to say, "Oi, is the bakery kosher?" Oi, I heard a rumor. You know, he did. You know, he gets his his whatever it is baker's buy from a questionable source. Oi, you know, this is what Yiddish guys about. No, that's not Yiddish guys. It's about taking responsibility for the next Jew and the next Jew and the next Jew. That's what it's about. And that's what brings Shekhinah into the world. You don't bring Shekhinah into the world by opening up another country restaurant. You feed Jews, but you don't bring Shekhinah. I, every Friday, I go to my McCulloch and I pick up the two free firm papers. The two free firm papers. Hashabua for the Haredi audience, and Besheva for the Datilumi audience. And it's like, a, it's like very hard to decide who's crazier. You know, who's the bigger lunatic? It's this, like we stand there, like, that's crazy, wow, oh, but listen to this, listen to this article, you know. Then somebody in the corner reads from Olam Katan, you know, the Shilas and Trivers on the, on the SMS, and then they read, oh, no, these are the craziest guys, a lot of crazy guys. Uh, you read the Haredi one, and this is not a, a, a scientific analysis of the Haredi community, because it's based on just one little newspaper, but... They'll have like an article, this is last week, this is last week. Tragedy in Russia, tragedy in Russia. Uh, a young from woman who was there as a shliach with a husband, right, was murdered. Not an anti-Semitic, uh, just a, a street, uh, a mugger, stamped out, she died. Terrible, terrible. But they only cover Haredi tragedies. In the summer there'll be tragedy in the north, two yeshiva guys drowned. Every year two yeshiva guys drowned. Unfortunately, more, but let's say two, right? They never cover tragedy in the south, guy killed by a bomb, tragedy in the east and the west. It's always the Haredi tragedies. And the whole language reeks of us and them. It's about us and them. It is no accident that they did this thing with the gay women, with the Congress. 
And they said, all of Rabbi Druckmann's converts are no good. You know that one? No, Rabbi Druckmann works, until recently he worked for the government. He worked for our government, making a reasonable conversion process for Muslim Russians. So that it would be reasonable for them to convert. The Haredim are against this. Because the Haredim don't know the Spanish. They don't care that there should be another Jew, another Jew. They don't care. They care about their Jews. I'm being very generalizing here, but I think it's a fair generalization, right? It's a fair, it's a fair generalization, I think. Um, and, and Ben's point, that yes, we're supposed to want there to be more Jews. And it doesn't say here that we're checking on they This from not from not from It doesn't say that they're Jews, they're Jews, and 22,000, sure. Um, now, look, somebody, it's very easy to argue with me. No, you don't know. A Jew is Michal Shabbos in public, doesn't count, and this one is a Kofir, he doesn't count, and that was a heretic, he doesn't count. You're wrong, you're wrong, Rabbi Felix. No, they don't count, they don't count. So you can find Chazals, it's true, that tend to, you know, be very negative about Jews who publicly and, and, and brazenly are not on the team. You know, it's true. Um, and it's an issue, it's not so partial. But still, I would say, you know, we don't obviously we don't have time to look at all the material this evening. But still, I would say, I'll give you another example, right? I'll give you another example. This whole thing with the Russians, many of them have Jewish fathers. Many, of them. not all of them, right? Uh, but many of them have. No, I'm sorry. Right, have Jewish fathers and non-Jewish ones, right? Jewish fathers, non-Jewish. Which halachically you're not Jewish, right? You do know. I mean, probably not because. People try to, they try to stop me from talking about this. That having a Jewish father is not nothing. It's not like a zero, but it's halachically meaningful. And so Rabbi's life, you know, Chief Frank, I think of Zevin, there are people back in the 40s, I think it is. I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, so if I make a little mistake, I make a little mistake. Uh, I think of Uziel, the early side chief rabbi said, you know, if a guy who has a Jewish father, man or woman with a Jewish father and a non-Jewish mother, come to convert, you don't put them off the way you would a simple guy. After all, they are Zerah Kodesh. They are descended from Holy Seed. You know, they, they're descended from Jews. And you do away with all of that, putting them off business, and you convert them quickly. This is, you know, not everyone that always says this, but this is a real halakhic position. By real halakhic people. Now you don't hear that today. Today the Haredim, who, you know, or, or, Haredim, whoever it is who doesn't want this to happen, they, no, they treat them exactly as if they're zero Jewish antecedents, right? Which is wrong. It's wrong. Um, because for them, I think, they have a different conception. They, there's like, there's a right way and a wrong way, and the right way is totally right, and the wrong way is totally wrong, and there's not such a Claudius Rowe conception. This is Medrash, these Medrashim are a real Claudius Rowe kind of conception. Well, I want there to be another Jew. One more Jew! One more Jew! How important it is! It's important in terms of the Shekhinah, it's important in terms of having a, a properly functioning nation. Look how important it is. So, those, those are the issues as I see them. Let's now, you know what? We're not going to talk to me in these comments. We'll hopefully get back to them. But let's quickly go down, because it really is relevant after what we were just saying, go down to the Mishnah. This is Mishnah, Masechet Avod, Karakim, or Mishnah Vav, right? Our last uh, source. So this is a well-known Mishnah, Perkyavos. Rabbi Chalafta Ish Kfar Hananya Omer. Asora Sheyoshim Vaoskim Batoro, Shechino Shruya Beinehem. 
You have ten people who are sitting and learning Torah, the Shekhinah is among them. Shene Amar, there's a passage from Tehillim, Elohim Nitzah Ba'adat El. God is there, is present, Nitzah, he's standing, he's present in a community of God. Ba'adat, ten is an Ba'adat, you get it from Boaz, just, you know, the source which you just read, that's what we learn, Minyan, Adat El is a Minyan, so God is there when you have a, a, a Dak El, a minion dedicated to God, ten people sitting and learning time. Yeah, fact. So this is what you said earlier, ten, not twenty-two thousand, but let's keep going. Uminayin afilu chamisha. How do you know even five people sitting and learning Torah, the Shekhinah dwells among them? Another passage, Shinemar and Amos, Ragudatol al Eretz Yisoda, Ragudatol Eretz Yisoda. Things you so that. Um, I can turn the pages and look for it, but let's just go ahead. Um, so here they learn, they learn, I don't want to go into how they learn that five is an aguda. Five is an aguda. Okay? An aguda is five. Alright? Like a bundle, a, 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 a handful is five. Um, and that brings God al Eretz. That brings God to the earth. So just five of them, and you have God's presence on the earth. Uminayan afilu bishlosha. You only have three people. Together studying Torah, God's presence is there. Um, uh, in God's presence, they will judge. Your minimal number of judges to have a court is three. So you have just three people saying God's Torah, saying God's halacha, learning God's Torah. It's It's in God's presence. How do you know even two people uh, will bring God's presence? Um, and then um, you have Yireh Hashem, those who are God fearing, speaking, discussing, conversing, one to the other, such as two people, right? And when you have that, Hashem will listen, and Hashem will hear, because Hashem is there listening when you just have two people discoursing, alright? Anywhere where you mention my name, God says, I'll come and I'll bless you. So if one person is sitting, do, learning God's Torah, involved in God's Torah, God is there to give a blessing. Now, this Mishnah is self-destructive. It's not got to victory. You know, as he goes, you need ten. Well, actually, you only need five. Actually, you only need three. Actually, you only two. Actually, you only need one. So if you only have one, what do you need the ten four? What do you need the five four? What do you need the three two, etc.? So the mission itself is a little funny, right? It's a little difficult. Um, actually, as we said earlier, so what do you need 22,000 for? Right? So the first simple answer, Tantrim says this actually, but we'll just, I think we'll just do it outside. Maybe later we'll take a quick look at it. The Tantrim gives a simple answer. I think we can all figure it out ourselves. What's the difference between the 22,000 and the 10 or the 5 or the 3 or the 2 or the 1? What's the obvious difference? What are those guys doing? What are those guys doing? What are the 10, the 5, the 3 doing? What we say constantly, consistently? They're learning power. Now we said this, studying Torah together, we said it, right? That's what it says. Minayim, Asara Shiyoshim, Ba'oskim B'Torah. And how do you know even five? Sha'oskim B'Torah. Or three, or two, right? What are the 22,000 doing? Everything. <laughs> What's the other possible answer? Nothing. I mean, this living, they're alive, that's all. Because we saw the 22,000 could have been a newborn baby. He's not learning Torah. 
So just having 22,000, this goes a long way to the, your question, by the way. Just having 22,000 Jews who are doing what people do. Some are doing good things. Some, some's playing with their dog. <laughs> some is tying up the dog. Some's untying the dog. They're doing what people do. 20,000. Having 22,000, in other words, as you intimated earlier, there's a value to just having a community of Jews, a society of Jews. They're not, I'm not they're not learning Torah, but they're not learning Torah. The baby is no more baby. It doesn't demand of them just the presence, the existence of a Jewish society. That already brings God's presence to the world. So that's where you get a very, a much more Zionist, a cook type. Just their being part of the Jewish people is an important thing. Just their standing, it's a classic of cook. Just their standing up and saying, I'm part of the Jewish people. I want to live in the Jewish state with the Jewish people. That's who I am. Yes, Shabbos. No Shabbos. Yes, Kashrut. Not Kashrut. Those are different issues. And the citizenship issues. They're different issues. But the classic religious Zionist tradition of Rav Kook was the fact that they say, I want to be part of the Jewish collective is a tremendous value. That's our measure. That's the revolt of Israel. Just the mere fact that there is a Jewish collective that sees itself as a collective, takes responsibility, when you said everything, takes responsibility for itself as a collective, and of course was very big on everything, right? They're building the roads, they're digging the ditches, they're, they're doing what a people does. And if they're doing it as a Jewish people, right? Again, classically for a cook, he wanted them to keep Shabbos. He wanted them to not play soccer on Shabbos. I mean, he wrote letters about it, right? He didn't want it. To, it's fine. They'll be the firm ones and the not firm ones. That's not what he was about. But he recognized that there was also a value called being part of the Jewish collective. And the Jewish collective doesn't mean my shul. It doesn't mean my town. It doesn't mean my community. My JCC. It means 22,000 people. It means a people. Being part of Jewish people brings this thing into the world. Alternatively, doing specific religious acts brings God into the world. That's the mission of us. Right? You do specific Jewish acts. So ten people are here again. It's the, 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 I, I said to you, I said, this is a funny Russia. Ten. Well, actually, five. Well, actually, you know, he could be like a comedian, right? If he's on a sitcom, we go, what a jerk. Ten. Uh, well, five. Well, well, really three. Well, two. Actually, one. So, well, where's the ten? Right? I think that what he's saying is, look, there's a value to community. So you have a learning community. Wow, that's really something. Ten people learning Torah, and even a small learning community. Four people, learning, five people, or three or two, and even an individual. Where you lose the value of community. But you have a person learning Torah. So it's, it's, it's like a different take on what it means for the Shekhinah to be there, I would, say, I would imagine. You know, I'm not going to just say, oh, that's a better Shekhinah, that's a worse Shekhinah. I don't mean that. I'm just saying there's a value in, in, in making a, bringing a God consciousness into the world, bringing some sort of presence of God, the message of God into the world where community does it. Community of Torah learners, a small group of Torah learners, or a person who's learning Torah. You know, we don't, I mean, look, you could make like a little bit of a political statement here. We don't lose the value of the individual in our love for the community. Like we like 22,000, we like 10, we like 5, we also like 1. We also recognize the value of an individual doing this 
quintessentially Jewish thing of studying Torah. We see that as a value. We understand that it's important. We understand that it brings a God uh, 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 consciousness or reality of God or recognition of God into the world. But, frankly, we prefer ten. We prefer five, three. That's what I think he's doing with the ten, five, three, I think. Right? Because it's a funny way to present it. But I think what he's saying is that you're, you're achieving a number of goals by doing it with ten. Or even five, or even three. And then you begin to lose that. But all right, so two people, good. You have, you have perhaps the goal of the study talk, and, and you have the value perhaps of a friendship, of a partnership, of two human beings meeting in Torah. And then you have one, and you have like a different kind of value. There's no other human being, there's no interaction. But okay, but it's also a value that brings God somehow into the world. But the 22,000, 22,000, as, as Ben, I think, so correctly pointed out, it's not about learning Torah. It's, again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to say, does it matter if they learn Torah? Because it matters. But it's about something else. It's about there being a community, a people of Israel. And we have a people of Israel who recognize and act as, chain the dog. Don't, don't let the dog bark because you're preventing a Jew from bringing another Jew into the collective. Right? You take responsibility as a collective, as a national collective or whatever. Um, that's its also value that brings God into the world. Without the study of Torah, without the study of Torah necessarily. Right? Um, and this, I mean, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot that's more relevant than this. I mean, you know, the, the whole question of what to do with 300,000 or so non-Jews among us who one way or the other want to be counted as Jews. You know, one way or the other, they came here not to live as Arabs, that's for sure. Uh, there's nothing who came here, number who came here, Christians and fine, good for them, and it's terrific. Uh, really, it's terrific. Um, uh, but, but this cavalier attitude, this is 300,000 goyim, you know, it just misses the boat of the 22,000. The notion that the simple notion of a collective of Jews, a, a, a society of Jews, is of value, and everyone in that society, everyone who can add to that society, is of value, um, is one that we can't lose, one that should not be lost. Um, good. Okay. That's it for this evening. Thank you. Thank you.